This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Like, this is quality entertainment. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. There is going to stop about halfway with this shift. There's a block and he'll score. Brilliant base running by Brian Dozier. He got Castillo so flustered he committed a balk. Because of the shift. Right, thank you. Well, I'm going to tell you this. I hope everybody's listening. We play 162 games for a reason. We don't play three months, and that's it. We play 162, and we'll see what happens in October. <laughs> is there more of a sport? Is there any other sport, Phil Mackey, that comes close to baseball as far as the push and pull between the old guard and new guard? Like the... Is there even a basketball old guard? Well, I'm trying to think What of... would the basketball old guard be? Hockey it's has like... one for sure. But the basketball old guard is like... 90s basketball was more fun when there were 15-foot jumpers, were right? checking each other. Well, it's it's yeah. Barkley ripping the Warriors yep. the last few years. Yeah, for being soft. Old guard. Yeah, absolutely. But even then, the old guard is not that long ago. It's it's like 15, 20 years and ago. And hockey's got one for sure. getting kicked out of the garden. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but hockey's got, got one, no question, right? You know, you go, you go out there and you fight like a man, and, and the new ho- hockey people are like, well, no, actually we don't. But baseball to me is What's the most. What's football's old guard? We're going to pound the rock. Yeah, We're going to give it to yeah, Ricky you know Williams. I can't believe these quarterbacks now. These quarterbacks have such favorable rules. These quarterbacks get yeah. treated. They get treated like princesses. That's, that's the football old guard. Sure. But, the, but baseball, to me, is the most interesting one because there's so many still active old guard people who are trying to look out for the game. Well, that's what happens when you shift. Now, to me, that's a cool thing. The fact that Dozier and players now say, you know what, if you're not going to play third base, awesome, I'm going to come down the line. But then there's this whole thing, well, it happened because of the shift. Well, no, but like, talk about it as that's actually an interesting conversation. There's too many baseball players, even new school sometimes, because there's a lot of new school guys who get caught up in the unwritten rules. I mean, there's current players who are young and get caught up in the unwritten rules. But in baseball, instead of things just happening organically and you re- you react either strategically or emotionally to something, and it's just a natural reaction, and let it be, and people get offended way too easily. Whoa, wait a second. If you're going to show emotion down the third baseline, oh, oh I, I don't like that. Well, that's a natural reaction. I just scored the game-winning run. I tricked you into scoring the game-winning run. Right. Why are you, like, what are you, I don't know. What are you mad about? But I just scored a game-winning touchdown. You better not smile. You better not spike that football, or I'm going to rip your helmet off and, bash you upside the head with it like what but baseball is such a sport where it's all people do not want to adapt or adjust like they're defiant about it yes and it gets rosario comes up and they shift him right so there's this big shift and he gets a base hit 
through the shift, which is good for him. Yeah. And he flips his bat. Good for him. And immediately I saw, well, if that had happened, if that had happened in the 80s, he's going to get the next ball. Why? He plays like that. Well, let's take this and turn it more strategically because I think there's a, there's a couple things in this series and in yesterday's game that are such stark contrast between baseball and other sports. So in, in football, and these are sort of, I'm just pulling these off the top of my head. In football, let's take college football. Teams start running spread offenses, and for the most part, it just, it, it, okay, wow. Um, you know, this team and that team are running a successful spread offense. Let's copy it and let's meet with each other and figure out what makes them successful. Now, Nick Saban did complain a little bit about tempo for a couple of years there, but now, like, Alabama runs tempo and Alabama runs a lot of spread concepts. But it's, oh, team is innovating. Let's copy it, right? Yes. Or in the NBA. Wow, the Phoenix Suns 10 years ago and the Golden State Warriors are making a lot of three-pointers. We, we should make a lot of three-pointers, too. That's really innovative. We should do that. In baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays, and they're not the first team to go with some sort of money ball strategy to try and make up for lack of payroll, they start using relievers early in the games because, guess what? Relief pitchers have lower ERAs, by and large, than starting pitchers because they're out there and you're only pitching for an inning, and the average reliever ERA is maybe a half run lower than a starting staff ERA for a lot of teams. Well, let's run out Sergio uh, Romo in the first inning and make sure that we get some favorable matchups, and then maybe we can come back with another pitcher. Let's just two or three times a week, let's uh, patchwork this with relievers and, and be strategic. Yep. And instead of, wow, they've got the best ERA in the American League since May... They're on to something here. It's, well, this is, why are this is, t- these pitching <laughs> changes are taking too long. Like, this is, this is never going to work, blah, blah, blah. And that's kind of what the Twins broadcast team was doing on TV yesterday. Well, this is just, there's no reason to make another pitching change here. This doesn't make any sense. Like, this guy's um, pitched so that, well. They have seven strikeouts through four innings and allowed one run. Now, later on, they gave up a bunch and they were depleted and it didn't work as well yesterday as yes. it has for the last two or three months for them. But instead of, curiosity yes. about innovation baseball tends to well that's oh that's never going to work and the conversation to me is this yesterday and and the way that the tampa did things i actually like a lot because it's i did i wouldn't never have thought of it but it's a pretty cool thing now the conversation i thought was this it is a it is an advertisement for why you don't need a manager to come out to the mound and make changes it's all, you know exactly, basically, how long guys are going to pitch, right? Mm-hmm. So the conversation should be, this is where you could easily signal for the next guy to come in because it's no different than a personnel change in football. It's not like you're going to get the starter out after seven and he pitched so well and you're going to slap Jimmy on the butt, right? So you could have it where, where the manager can signal to the bullpen, next pitcher, and then that guy should come in and throw two or three pitches to get set, and that's it. So right there, you, you save time. But instead of that, you just have this baseball people, the old school baseball people love to get outraged instead of saying, oh, this is new, different, and, and where's it going to go? Because it's not going away. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. If you, loved, if you loved complete games and all that, it makes no sense to gripe and moan about them now. They're not coming back. Mm-hmm. It's not like the A's are going to turn around next year and say, you know what, damn it, we're going back to complete games. So let's have conversations about right. where these things could go instead of lamenting the fact that the game has just changed. Yeah. It's changed. And for a brief moment, we thought, wow, the Twins. Game's on the line here. This is greatest. They're down 4-1. to one. There's one out. Runners on second and third. 
And man, like one more hit, and this game's probably over because then they're going to be down six to one. Yep. It's the fifth inning, and Fernando Rodney comes in, and for a couple hours, he thought, well, that's, and of course, for that moment, not to keep ripping on the broadcast crew, but it's, well, who's going to, if the Twins get the lead in the ninth? <laughs> In the eighth, you know, who's, who's going to close out the game with a save situation? It's like, well, if, if the Rays score four more runs here, there will be no save situation. <laughs> yeah, so if it's 6-1, to one, you can you, pretty much go home. And, of course, Trevor Hildenberger was unable to close it out in a save situation. doesn't mean that in that moment, bringing in Rodney in the fifth wasn't the correct move, but it wasn't strategic as much as it was, oh, he had a, a flight to catch to go deal with an immigration in issue? Yeah, his- Is it related to him? Uh, yeah, I think um, Mike Berardino, the Pioneer Press, uh, tweeted that he is going to become a citizen within yep. the next couple days. Becoming a U.S. citizen. Yeah, so, but he had, uh, the funniest thing about that oh, was... better build that wall quicker then. <laughs> we all keep guys like Fernando Rodney out of here. When it's finally decided, oh. when the gavel falls, congratulations, <laughs> Mr. Rodney, you're a citizen. Does he fire the arrow? Oh, he has to. You have to fire <laughs> the arrow, the right? <laughs> no question. About it. I love Let one fly for citizenship. Mr. Rodney, what are you doing? I always do this when I'm happy. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, yeah, we all went downstairs to talk to Paul th- thinking, my gosh, you know, this is for the Twins. This is really, this is really cool, and you don't do this. And, and what's the reason? It turned out that Rodney had a 3.30 p.m. flight on which he had to depart. You thought it was going to be, well, you know yeah. what, the, game, the game's on the line there, and we're just going to be a little bit more forward-thinking in the way that we shuffle Absolutely. our relievers. Yeah. No, actually, one of our guys. <laughs> he had to leave. He had to leave by 3.30. So. Oh, that's hilarious. But, but I just, I, the baseball thing, it's just starting to drive me crazy, is, is this whole thing of being so stuck in the way th- yeah. things were. If I, thought, if I truly thought that we were going to go back to those things or that they were somehow better, but... Instead of talking about, okay, this might seem weird to me, but let's discuss it. Well, it's, it's, this seems weird, and in 1975, we sure yeah. as hell didn't do this. It's also worth noting, in salary cap leagues, let's take the NBA and the NHL for, well, let's take all three of the, the salary cap main leagues. You, know, you can implement similar strategy if you're the Packers compared to the Giants, even though those are wildly different markets. You've got the biggest market in the country versus this little kind of a small town in Wisconsin, right? Mm-hmm. But because they bring in essentially the same amount of revenue, or at least they spend the same amount of money relative to a salary cap, they can implement similar scouting strategies. Okay, we can go draft this from the same pool of players, and we can pay the same amount to the quarterback. We can, we can pay Aaron Rodgers just as much as New York would pay Aaron Rodgers because we're all operating under a $170 million cap. Because baseball doesn't have a cap, and the Yankees bring in 10 times the revenue that the Rays bring in, to ask the Rays to go into a season and just operate the same way that other teams do, yeah. well, scout the same way. It's ridiculous. And then, oh, the only difference is you're not going to be able to keep free agents. So good luck with that. When uh, yes. Luis Severino becomes a free agent, you can't keep him if you, if you were a Ray. Yes. So I like the fact that they went back to the drawing board. And the Twins, the twins are kind of in the middle. I mean, the Twins aren't the Rays, but they're not the Yankees in terms of revenue coming in and payroll. So... I like team, you know, teams like the Rays and the A's, and they say, well, we can't just stand toe-to-toe and do the same things. So let's think differently about our 13 pitchers on the roster, 12 pitchers on the roster, how do we use them? And mm-hmm. so for people to look at them and say, what are they doing? Well, they're doing what they have to do. Right. They can't just, throw, they can't just pick five inferior starters and have them go seven innings and get rocked all the time. They've got to be creative. And baseball doesn't seem to be a sport that people, that a lot of its fan base wants to be inquisitive about. It seems to be a sport that you want to make declarative statements and say, this is wrong. Yeah. Well, it might be wrong, and if it doesn't work, it's going to go away. 
But if it works, it might be pretty damn smart. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The bench clearing thing was funny too yesterday. For I, I like I like it when managers get chippy too. Like Paul Molitor just sits there and kind of in this meditative state. But is a Kevin Cash right? Kevin he's the manager Cash, for the yeah, Rays. former bullpen coach in Cleveland. When the camera zoomed in on him and he's mfing the Twins dugout and hey, how did Paul not not get tossed when when he came out when they reviewed the Jake Cave play, which by the way they oh. screwed up entirely again. Uh, Paul came back out and Paul fl- flat out said, and he's right, you're not supposed to be able to come back out. And as he left the field, I swear to God, he took his foot and dragged dirt on the home plate. Like, you guys botched that. The home plate umpire dusted it off and didn't toss him. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, poor Paul Molitor. He tried, Mr. To, he tried to get tossed? I think he did. Mr. Cool, Calm, and Collected yeah. finally tries to blow a gasket, and they won't toss him. Say and the that magic re- words. Let's go here, Paul. That replay thing, that Jay Cave play, how do you mess that up when you can clearly see the the throw is there first and so the home plate umpire made the old school call you're out because the throw got there first replay supposed to fix that right jake cave moved the catcher's foot off home plate and clearly started to slide it clearly hit home plate and they still couldn't get that call right but maybe the foot was on home plate and you couldn't see his foot touch home plate and so they is you, that what they is that kind that's of what, what they, they said but you would yeah. have to be you would have to be a blithering idiot to not think because once his foot moved the catcher's foot back it had to hit home plate. It had to. It's okay. They still won. They still won. But the you've game. got replay. Brian Dozier, clutch Brian Dozier. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. The home plate umpire made the old school call. I heard. I saw the ball get there first. The guys in New York are umpires. Instead of being replay specialists who don't care, they're umpires. So they're drinking <laughs> friends with these morons in Minneapolis. So they're like, well, your throw did get there first. Yeah, let's call them out. Yeah, I mean, fix the wh- system. Why does it have to be an umpire that sits in the booth? The in union, the I think, they mandated it. Okay, but it's still stupid. Can it just be? Can it just be somebody with really good vision? Can it be someone who doesn't care, who's trained <laughs> to do this as their job? It's Major League Baseball. You make millions of dollars, billions of dollars, whatever you make. Oh man, it's just stupid. Mackie and Judd, we're hanging out here at uh, White Eagle Golf Club in Hudson for the NHL Alumni Golf Classic. Brad Maxwell here with vintage North Stars jerseys. Brad Maxwell has, uh, yeah, looks like it looks oh, like three jerseys for Judd to try. Oh, on. that's beautiful. Old school, <laughs> eighty-one, eighty-two, circa eighty-two. Oh, that's really old school. Oh, that's beautiful. Judd's gonna probably steal all those. I'm gone. Right? See you guys later, Bye. Mackie and Judd. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN. Are you ready? Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are ready. Now back to Mackie and Judd. Ready! On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd at the NHL Alumni Golf Classic annual event. This year, it's in Hudson at White Eagle Golf Club where Judd Zolgad, he took the third episode of the Judd Zolgad Athlete Challenge to a new level this morning, and we're going to post video on our YouTube page, facebook.com slash 1500 ESPN later in the day. It's not embarrassing, I will say that. You saw it all? Uh, you know, after, I, I didn't tell you guys this, but when I, I hit off the tee, I was sore. It hurt. It hurt my back a you, little bit. Not like bad. Did you pull something? But when I, you I still feel did it? Did you slip a disc? I think I'm okay now, but when I teed off and I hit that first shot pretty good, it hurt a little bit right around... Right, right in my upper back. Now you know how Tiger feels. Yeah, I'd be done. Oh, I at forty U.S. Open Tiger. You were limping around. If I tried to play this entire course, it, it would be a disaster. Number one. <laughs> number two, I would probably have to go home on a stretcher. 
See, it would be fun if to do, to do an 18-hole challenge that Ooh. would take four-plus hours. I don't think it'd be fun. Fun's not the right word. I think see fun, how bloody your hands get? No, no. This, see, that doesn't sound... <laughs> this is all supposed to be in uh, good spirits. I, I feel like if I tried to do the 18-hole challenge, it would, one, one people golfing with, with me would get so frustrated mm -hmm. because I would struggle so much, and two, I think by about the 10th hole, my body would just be a mess. It might break down a little bit. You might have to split it. It's possible you could do nine holes one day and then like nine holes the next, no, or just take a little nap between. I could do a par three course. I'd be. I could if I got some clubs back. I could do a, a par three course, and I'm not saying I would do well, but I think that would be fun. Yeah. I think the definition of fun par three course. I think the definition of hell actual course. I was looking forward to and uh, and and if you missed it earlier. We set the over-under with help from the audience at 8.5 on this 150-yard par 3 for Judd. Water on the left. 8.5 was the over-under. Dave initially, I think the opening line Dave set was 6.5, but the betters, the betters pushed it to 8.5. Yes, they did. It would have been interesting because you striped your drive or your tee shot, I guess. It's a par 3. It's not really a drive on a par 3. So you, you really made it hard to do anything but 5 or 6 on the card. I mean, you would have had to really melt down from up close to the green. It would have been fun to watch you sort of duff a tee shot oh, it would have been or, a disaster. or yank one left near the water and, and have to deal with the water or even up in the kind of the weeds up to the right just to really see the different textures of the hole. If I had duffed a tee shot, that would have immediately been in my head. I think if I if I had hit a bad shot off the tee and it didn't go far and was an embarrassing shot, yeah. I think we're talking a 12 to 14. I really do. Because it would have been mental then. I the only hit, way you get to a 12 or a 14 is multiple drops, multiple I, shots in the water. Right? I hit There's that, almost no way. I hit that first shot so well that, that my confidence soared. Mm -hmm. So that then when Dave gave me instruction, I felt pretty good. If I had duffed it, I think we're talking a 10 to 12 yeah. probably. Let's get Brad Maxwell in here. Maxie. As we look to uh, fire up another good NHL alumni classic. What's going on? Not much. How are you guys doing? We're doing our, we, we, uh, Judd hasn't golfed in 20 years. He hasn't? And so we can't. probably because he's no good. Well, <laughs> listen to this, much. though. Absolutely accurate. 7.45 this morning, we got here. We played the 150-yard. Well, it's like 180. We went to the 150 uh, tee box. <laughs> he had no driving range, nothing. The first hole in 20 years. And our audience set the over-under at 8.5. He shoots a, a tap in five. A nice. tap in five. Yeah. I got on in two and then had a slight downhill putt that I didn't hit well and, and rolled it too far. But then I came back a little bit uphill. Five. That's not too bad. He also, Perfect. He walked, awesome. he walked the hole, too. So, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. So yeah. You didn't get the rest of uh, riding the, the cart tee, up to the green. I was a little sore. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I hit the shot off the tee and hit the shot pretty well, Maxie. Yeah. Upper back, didn't oh, like yeah. it too much. No, they, you get that twist going in there. This aging thing, it really stinks. <laughs> <laughs> it's not hey, fun. I got to tell you, I just turned 61. And it's like when I was 59 and then last year was a bad year. I mean, it was just like every time, you know, something, you get an ache or a pain, you go, uh oh, this is it. You know, and then you just keep going. Yeah. But when I was 59, I felt really good. <laughs> 60 is really a bit 60's terrible. 60 is the problem? 60 is a bad year. Do you have, I got 12 years. What are, what are, what are the hockey-related things? Like, do you feel things from your hockey career that, that flare up now, 30 years later? Yeah, I mean, just, you know, both shoulders and stuff like that, knees. And I got a bone spur in the size of my knee, so everywhere I go, and you can see it. I mean, it sticks out like a golf ball. Oh, my gosh. Everybody always says to me, what's that thing on the side of your leg? You're deformed, and, and it's like just a big bone spur on the side. So. That's really impressive. Actually. Yeah, isn't that good? 
That thing's huge. I know. I like it. <laughs> but, uh, I'm not getting rid of it. I like it too much. Yeah. Other than that, everything is real good. Yeah, nice. Paul Fenton. Is Paul Fenton going to be in it? This might take some time, too, yeah. because the, the, uh, the, conf- the conference is very good, and the division is fantastic. But what's your confidence that Paul Fenton is going to be the guy to eventually get this uh, wild franchise in a place where they can get past that first round? Well, you know, you just hope, and that's all it is. It's just getting the, getting the right people playing in the right position. At least it was for me when I played in my day. Is you know when we went to the Cup in '81, we had a you know good, really good bunch of guys. We didn't have a great team. We just had a good bunch of guys that knew their job and knew what they were doing. If you were a goal scorer, you scored goals. If you were a goalie, you played goal. If you're a defenseman, you played defense. And you know everybody knew their rule. You know their kind of how the, you know how they were going to play. And if he can instill that into the wild, I believe you know because the teams are so good now. They're just so close, and you know it's it's real tough. Do you do you feel like? You could make a case for so many teams in the Western Conference. You have to think Edmonton is going to pop up again at some point with Connor McDavid. But does it feel like the Wild are on this downslide and eventually they're going to have to go into some sort of rebuilding mode? Or is it as simple as the things you're saying, peace here, peace there, maybe a trade, and now they're back in and you're talking about a deep playoff run? Where do you stand on the sort of state of the franchise? I think the peace thing. I think you just got to slowly piece your puzzle together. And maybe that's what he'll do. Uh, you know, he'll take and he'll just kind of piece everything together and he'll put the right people in the right position. Uh, you know, I feel they need some defense, uh, you know, some size. Um, but that's just me, you know. And it, uh, um, So, you know, I, I think they got a really good team. I mean, they're fast, they're quick and stuff like that. It's just put it in the, putting it, you know, in the aspect that it's the right way to go and the right form. Goaltending, Dubnik, what, what's your, your, your uh, confidence there? Brad, because he is obviously, he's a nice goaltender, but if you are, are going to make an extended playoff run, your goaltender becomes your most important player. Do you think he's a guy that could carry you through eventually here around two rounds? I think he can. I mean, he's, you know, he, he's good enough, you know, and, and he, he plays really well. Uh, I think the one thing is that, you know, you look at a game, it's a 2-1 game or a 3-1 game. If, if you're only scoring one goal in a game, you don't deserve to win anyways. So you got to figure out in these tight games and stuff like that, you got to have your forwards got to score goals. I mean, it's like in my day, you had Dino and Bobby Smith. I mean, they always came up big. So yeah, you got to have guys, Zach, and these guys got to Charlie big. Coyle, Nino. Right. Th- those guys. I mean, Char- Charlie, and I-, I know that we saw after this, this the uh, year he had surgeries on uh, both wrists, but, I mean, you've got to have guys like that step up a bit. What's your, what is your opinion, um, and you, you guys obviously had this a few times with the Stars, of locker room chemistry? Because my contention with the Wild is I don't think it's great. I really don't, and I think it's been – I think they have some talented players, but I don't know if the chemistry with that team has been right uh, for quite some time going back to Yo. How important does that become when guys, A, know their roles, play those roles, and that there is a, a chemistry there with how many games you play and travel, et cetera. Well, you've got to have a group of leaders, you know, a group of guys that are going to step up. And, you know, back in my day and stuff like that, if, if I thought Brian Bella wasn't doing a, you know, working hard during a game, I'd go tell him. You know, if, he, if I wasn't playing very well or something like that or taking bad penalties or something like that, which I did a lot, uh, you know, he'd... he'd you know, penalties with a purpose, Maxie. <laughs> that's what we called it, penalties with a purpose. Right. Then somebody would come to me and say, hey, Maxie, you know, you got to do this. But, I mean, that's what, you, you know, you have to do. You have to have that leadership, you know, on the team that guys respect. What does good leadership mean to you? It's just a, a guy that comes and play every day. 
you know, like every every practice he's there working. He's there early. He's you know he's he's doing what he needs to do, and he's sticking the team first and putting himself second. Who are the greatest leaders in sports that you've ever been around? Oh, God. Either, play, either played with or, or had, you know, from a distance, whatever it may be. Well, I can only go by what, you know, for myself and stuff like that. But Brian Bellows was, you know, he was, he was early on, his first couple of years were not so good. Wasn't early on, yeah. No, but then a little bit later on, he kind of changed a little bit and stuff. But there was a lot of guys that, that stepped up. Uh, you know, it's hard to put a name on one guy because we, we had so many. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bellows story. Is it true that in, in those first couple of years, and I want to say somebody got hurt, and, and he was named captain at like 18 or 19. Yeah. Is it true that McAdam absolutely pummeled him in practice one day? Oh, I don't remember that. You know, it's pretty hard to remember yesterday. Because Al, uh, Al was a veteran who didn't take any, and Al was the type of guy who didn't like to fight, but if he fought, watch out. Right. He was a tough sucker. Yeah, he was. But, I mean, that was probably basically... You know, Brian would have said something to Al, and and you know, and he didn't like it or something like that, or did something in practice or something like that. You know, because Brian was like, he had a little bit of a big head back then. You know, and Louis made him captain that one year and stuff, and wasn't probably the greatest, the right thing to do. But you know, he's nineteen, right? Yeah, that's that's. I mean, McDavid is a c- captain with Edmonton, and I that's sort still of, such a I young age that. to be. You're not really a true leader. I mean, you could be a leader by example, but in terms of experience and credibility, right. that's and you're really trying to learn age. too. I, I would think if you're trying to learn learn the game, it's got to be very difficult then to be expected to talk veterans. And I could see that being something that you would definitely transition into. But 18, 19 is a really young age to try and, and have someone. Yeah, that was along. pretty. That was pretty young. Yeah, uh, Brad. We're, so we're here, uh, we're, we're, Mackie and Judd. We've been here the last five years at the uh, NHL. Alumni Golf Classic, and this year it's at White Eagle Golf Club in Hudson. That's where we're doing our show until one o'clock today, twelve thirty start time. Dave Harrigan's making his debut at this tournament this year, which would be right. fun. Um, but be ugly. tell the audience about the Minnesota NHL alumni and uh, and this golf tournament, and yeah. just give well, our audience a little flavor. Well, we're an organization. I mean, we've been around for almost uh, thirty years now. Tom Reed kind of put this together back, you know, a long time ago, and we were actually the North Star alumni, and then we kind of switched to the Minnesota NHL alumni. And I've been doing this almost ten years now. Take over from Tom, and uh, it's it's been great. I mean, we've had a lot of fun, and we've uh, we've generated, we've raised a lot of money for we give them back to. Uh, Hockey in Minnesota, we give AEDs away to ice arenas, and we're almost over $100,000 in donations of AEDs. And uh, so we just uh, we have a good time. We play some games, raise some money for some of the local hockey associations around town. And, uh, this is kind of a new for us. Uh, you know, we've had uh, we usually try to change every three to four years. You know, I just want to keep this interesting. Um, this is a great golf course. Yeah. And it's got, they built this brand new beautiful clubhouse. And, uh, you know, Bill Block is the owner. He's a friend of mine and Steve's and uh, Dowling. And so, uh, you know, we're looking forward to being here today and, and having fun. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Brad Maxwell, it. thanks for coming over. Thanks, guys. We really appreciate you being here, too. Oh, we so. love being here. So. Yeah, have and we'll have, we'll have more guests as the show progresses here. Lindsey Whalen will join in about a half hour. Dave, what's coming up in Stuff You Should Know About next? Case Keenum still gets no respect. Wow, we'll do that next. Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Coffee break. Better hurry if we want to get a seat. On 1500 ESPN. Ah. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Like, this is quality entertainment. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. This summer, Walgreens has you covered with trusted essentials you'll need at great value. Stop by today for summer care no matter where. Walgreens trusted since 1901. Stop! 
Twin City sports fans are chanting for right now. Mackie and Judd continue with stuff you should know about. Please, please tell how does Case Keenum continue, continue, even after getting a new contract to get no respect? I'll tell you, but not right now. Oh, okay. because you have to wait. Because first we have to talk about somebody who had a storied career. Storied, larger than life, one might say. And the downfall. And the downfall three years ago. Little racist comments. The 23-inch python. That's right. The 23 back. inches. Or are they 22-inch pythons? I, I thought they were 75, actually. 75-inch so pythons? Big. The pythons are so big. Hulk Hogan. Those are his biceps, Judge. Okay. Reinstated. I was on the right track. Reinstated into the WWE Hall of Fame uh, following a, quote, three-year suspension. Second chance for a guy who's had a rough go of it lately, but <laughs> yeah. apologized. He's also sitting work. on about $150 million in a lawsuit from Gawker. Oh, there's that. Yeah, <laughs> too. Is that so? Have, have we just forgotten about the transgressions now? We're moving past are the judge. Okay, and it, it's not like the rest of the WWE Hall of Fame members are clean from racism. <laughs> so and is there, the Hulk just said, "Bleep this!" I'm I done. mean, like Jimmy Snuka may have murdered somebody. Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, but that's murder. He's like, that's hey, just Lewis, murder. It's cool. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Uh, I'm just waiting for him to drop the big leg at SummerSlam. Is he going to come back for one more match? How about Hulk Hogan and the Undertaker one time? WrestleMania. Excited about that? Or Stone Cold. How about Stone Cold? Look at you. Shawn Michaels. Bring them all back. An old timers match? Oh my God. Is, Let's is just this do what that. you guys yes. want, though? Is this. I don't know no. if we need Hulk Hogan in the no. ring anymore, but Hulk Hogan on the microphone right. and you know, around the company. It's kind of fun. Just get it, a couple brothers. Yeah. It is hilarious that as soon as the. Well, he had the sex tape thing and then the racist uh, recordings from seven years ago. And they scrubbed that morning that that news came out, they scrubbed every reference. And Hulk Hogan is the WWE, right? He made it in the 80s. and But they scrubbed every reference from it, every name reference, everything except for the matches that you could still find online. Yep. I wonder if they just, now that like some developer has to go back and put his name back on the website, I don't know how that works, but welcome back, Hulk Hogan. Well, you're a WWE Network guy. Oh, yeah. Did you find a Hogan match you could via still find WWE the matches, yeah. Network? Yeah. Okay. No, they'd blur him out during all the main events in the <laughs> 1980s. It's just like King Kong Bundy against a blur. <laughs> just a big black box. Oh, it'd be like Roger Clemens baseball. Call him Hulk He-Man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Oh, let's go to this one uh, since you wanted it, Judd. Case Keenum, he was out golfing over the weekend. The American Century Celebrity Golf Tournament, Lake Tahoe. He was hanging out with a couple other QBs, Jared Goff, Blake Bortles, and NBC sports reporter uh, Heather Cox caught up to him and well, yeah, here it is. Thanks so much. Joined by three NFL quarterbacks and Jared Goff, Blake Bartles, and Chase Keenum. And you guys have played oh, before, no. but Chase, this is your first oh, year here, no, but you're no, known no, as a bit no. of a stick. So what's your comfort level no. out here on the course so versus out on a football field? Oh, oh so yeah. uncomfortable. Did he answer? He answered the question very professionally. He? He but as she dropped the case, especially the second one, he's smiling, and the other quarterbacks, you know, Goff and uh, Bortles, they're putting their heads down, and you can tell they're giggling. Oh, my god! Remember when Elway screwed up his name when they introduced him? Oh, he called yeah. him Case Keesum a, a time or Case two. Case Keesum. That was so uncomfortable right there. Heather Cox uh, sent just... out the apology tweet saying, you know, there's no excuse. I covered him in college and blah, blah, blah in the NFL. and Yeah. You know, but I blew it. But, man. To go chase twice on the poor guy. I thought the first time she Steve, just made a Steve, you want to come on in like 20 minutes? Okay. We're booking. 
<laughs> oh, yeah, no question about it. Yeah. No, actually, let's do it in like five minutes. Yeah, five minutes. Five minutes? Five minutes. Five minutes. You want to come on talk some hockey? All right, cool. Perfect. On-air production meeting. Yep. <laughs> let's do this. Anyway, let's move on to the next one, oh. but poor case. Um, Pittsburgh Pirates had a little moment in their ballpark on Saturday, uh, finished off by this Gregory Polanco home run. Rip to right field. This is a line drive bullet out of here for El Cafe. Oh, that's the exit velocity yeah. on that baby. His 15th of the year, and it's 2 nothing Bucks. That came in the first inning of game one of their doubleheader with the Brewers. Yep. Right after Starling Marte let off the game with a home run. Wow. All right. Back to back. Do you know what they did in game two? Same thing. Seventh inning. Pretty impressive. Marte goes deep. Polanco goes deep. Back to back. Both games of the doubleheader per MLB.com. Only other times this has happened in Major League Baseball. Frank Thomas, not that Frank Thomas. Okay. But another Frank Thomas and Dick Grote, also of the Pirates, did it in 57. Sal Bando and Reggie Jackson of the A's did it in 68. That's pretty amazing. There's your Starkey and Nugget for the day. That's, That's pretty very, good. Very good. There's Starkey and Nugget. And the like Brewers it. are in full choke mode right now. Oh, they're brutal. Absolutely choking this thing away. Yeah, and we're behind enemy lines right now in Hudson, so uh, yeah, well, you can say that. Get your act turned around. Yeah. Um, we're going to come back. Steve Payne's going to join. We'll talk some hockey with him. We're at the NHL Alumni Golf Classic here at uh, White Eagle. Dave's going to tee off with these guys, with the big hitters. Are I'm you nervous. Are you? I am. I know how you're hockey players nervous. swing, and I was not a hockey player. <laughs> Do you know who you're golfing with? I have no idea. Boy. I hope I'm still golfing. Maybe they took me off the sheet. I have no idea. <laughs> you're oh, oh, yeah, you're going to caddy just like you did for Judd. You did a really good job. Thank you very much. I thought you were outstanding. Great. Yeah, I, again, I get 10% of your cut. <laughs> uh, no, that would be incorrect. But I'll buy you a beer. <laughs> and uh, Lindsey Whalen will join, too, in about 15 minutes. Mackie and Judd. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I think these guys get each other going. Mackey and Judd. It's a good group of guys. They're just waiting for everything to kind of click again and come back together. On 1500 ESPN. Oh, what's going on? Not Welcome a whole lot, except we got a fantastic day. How I'm, good is that? I'm so glad to see that warm, humid crap go back south where it belongs. Yes. Uh, that's just not us, you know. I looked at it and went, you know, if I wanted to live in this stuff, I'd move to Atlanta or something. Absolutely. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a, a picture-perfect Minnesota summer day Oh, it's here. beautiful. This is, but shh, don't tell anybody. We'll have more people here. Correct, <laughs> correct. But this is why we live here. We always, put, this is why we put up with winter. Let's tell them it's you know, always cold and snows constantly. Damn near. So even yeah. in July, it does. Stay yeah, away so from if us. you're not here for about the prime three weeks, you've missed summer. So <laughs> uh, give us your shameless uh, your shameless plug for an event coming up here to start out with. Oh yes, thank you. Um, so what's going on since last year? Um, our alumni, as you guys know, we do this for charity and that type of thing. Uh, we were trying to at our annual uh, alumni meeting in October. We were kicking ideas around about something fresh to to raise money. To, uh, to give to all the different causes and stuff. And, and, and I think you know that we support the military as well. Military is very important to me. I do other things for the military. Uh, I, in fact, I'll be in Colorado next this coming weekend doing an event I've done out there for eight years, and a lot of the guys that are playing today come out. Uh, nice. Dahlquist will be there. Uh, uh, Chorsky, Podine, they all come out and, and fish every year, and it's for the veterans. So because of that, the guy said, well, Painter, you know how to do a a fishing event you know you've been doing this one in Colorado and I've had it on national TV and everything it's been very successful and and they said can you maybe do something like that and so I thought about it and I thought 
Yeah, you know what? We could do the St. Croix. The St. Croix would be the perfect backdrop for doing something like this. Go fish for uh, trophy smallmouth bass. The area that we're fishing is going to be starting at Grantsburg, Wisconsin there, and then fishing down to Taylor's Falls there, uh, that whole stretch in there. And I fished it, and it's fantastic. I mean, it is really world-class fishing. There's people that I know come from all over the country to experience this in, in August. So... That's what's going on. I said we picked uh, the middle of August because it's the prime time for the fishing. So it's going to be August seventeenth uh, is the Saturday, I believe, eighteenth, seventeenth. Right. Um, we uh, what we're doing here is similar to what I do in Colorado. We're going to have uh, obviously a bunch of the alumni out. Uh, I've got Dave Casper, okay, former Hall of Hall of Famer, former Viking, Raider. everything, uh, big guy with the Oakland Raiders yep. back in the day with Stabler. Uh, he's actually coming out with one of his boats, and he's actually going to be one of the boats that we'll be fishing in, so he's going to guide and be a celebrity. So he's really good. Nice. He's good, yeah. Dave loves to fish. He keeps a boat on the St. Croix, and he keeps one up on Lake of the Woods and everything, and he's big into it. And Dave and I have been good friends for many, many years, so we've got him coming out. Uh, a lot of the hockey guys will be out there, but what we're doing is uh, we have uh, 15 teams. Uh, the reason I'm plugging is we haven't sold them all yet. We have a couple left that I hope some of the listeners who are paying attention might want to come out and contribute. Yeah. But what we're doing is each team will have a uh, one of us sports knuckleheads on the team. You'll have a guide. Uh, you will have a sponsor. That's what I'm pitching right here, somebody that sponsors that boat, that team. Mm-hmm. And then most importantly, we will have a veteran. So okay. And so that's it. And we're all going to float the river. We're going to catch a bunch of fish. And when we're done, yep. we're going over to people – know the Derwiski name. If you remember Davis Derwiski from, from uh, Hudson, played uh, just recently retired from Philadelphia. Uh, Davis's dad, Dave, is a close friend of mine. We're going to Dave's cabin, and Dave and Davis will be hosting the, the post-fishing event. We're going to do barbecue there for everybody and so on. Is there going to be a beer involved in here somewhere? Yes, there is. Okay. The, the good people at Liftbridge have stepped up and, nice. and give us uh, a well, couple of big, big ass, <laughs> big ass kegs of Liftbridge for us to enjoy so after we're done. Judd doesn't fish. He doesn't so, do cabins. He doesn't do outdoors. Do but you can drink Liftbridge. Liftbridge yeah. is fantastic. <laughs> I'm a big fan. So well, see, if people want, is there a website people can go to or a number? They can, or okay. actually. They can go to our website. Go to the MinnesotaNHLAlumni.com. And then you'll see a uh, on the top banner there, there's a place to click on for the fishing event. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And there's downloadable PDFs there that have got the information as well as the sign-up form. Mm-hmm. And the cost is $3,000. And so what do they get for three grand? Well, they give a lot back. The, the money is going to be used with the Minnesota alumni, but also a great organization. Uh, in fact, uh, Chris Hansen's the guy that founded it. It's called Time on the Water. And all Chris does, and he spends, it's all out of his own pocket. He spends 30, 40 grand a year. He takes veterans fishing during the summer in Wisconsin, Minnesota, and up into northern Ontario. And Chris has actually sponsored a hole here, and we'll have his truck and his boat here promoting time in the water today. So he's giving back again today. You know, he's just a wonderful guy. He's a real estate guy. And, um, so the, the, some of the proceeds will go to him to help defer his costs at getting more veterans out fishing and, and so on. But, awesome. but I can tell you from doing my event in Colorado, the reason I'm so, I love the veterans and I want to do for them, but why I feel strongly about the fishing component is we have proven that it has been very effective with helping them with their PTSD. And I could go on and on. I'm not going to, but I can give you case after case after case of of veterans, and I've I've got them on television when we broadcast my event, telling the camera that it literally saved their lives. Finding fishing and something to get their mind off of the issues that they deal with, something to refocus and repurpose has made a huge, uh, you know, uh, effect and positive way in right. their lives because these guys come back so damaged 
And we don't think about that part of it, you know, the demons they're dealing with. And, and their families even deal with it. They get the repercussions of what he's dealing with or she's dealing with and, and so on. So it's so important. And I know pretty much everybody listening probably gets behind the military now. It's not like 20 years ago where people still thought the Vietnam veterans were, were buggers, and which is nothing, you know, everybody's kind of realized that they were completely wrong about that. And uh, and our guys are still over there. They're still in harm's way. And who knows with what Bush is doing or uh, what Trump's doing if we're going to be in another war. Hopefully not. But uh, we just love giving to the vet- veterans more yeah. than anything. So, so, so thank you for letting me plug this. Oh, and I sure, hope Steve. that some yeah, of your of listeners course. will step up and come on out. And if they do, if I would ask them that as a result of this, please come over and tell me when you see me at the event. I'd much appreciate it. Yeah, so again, go to the, go to the Minnesota NHL alumni website, and yep. you'll, see a, you'll see a link at the top of the homepage, and, yep. and you can get in on this event. So, so. so if, I, if I was to give you a choice, golf mm-hmm. or fishing, but just one, which one would you do? Fish. I'd fish. I'm much better at fishing than golfing. So. <laughs> you're, a, you're a hockey player, though. You guys. It's are harder to pull back muscles when you fish, too, Judd. I mean, you, you're it like, is. you don't know me. <laughs> I, I, I have the ability Actually, to Judd pull a muscle someone's at any eye time. Out too. It's exactly right. Now, now I'm good at drinking beer, though, and I think yeah. I think fishing's more uh, conducive to drinking beer. I, I know you can certainly golf and drink beer, yes. but it seems to me that you could probably have a better time with a with a fishing lure and being in a boat with the beer right by you in I a completely stand. Agree. Yeah. Right? You're less likely to screw up losing a fish than you are to knock a golf ball into the woods after a couple of beers. So, yes. Uh, su- su- success is much more attained. I like this idea. You ever play a game hungover in the 80s, Steve? <laughs> Should I admit to that? I think you, it's statute of limitations. It's been, you know, it's been enough time. Uh, well, I'm not a, a, never a big drinker. So, I mean, nobody's, uh, there's probably only a couple people in the, in the world that's ever seen me really drunk. Uh, and not very often. It's it's not my style. Not that I don't like to imbibe. I, I love to get a, a buzz on once in a while. But uh, I, admittedly, yeah, there was probably a game or two where I was a little feeling a little rough the next day because of going out the night before after a game, See, or maybe like... not even a game, but just out with socializing at home, right? And then having a game the next day at the Met Center and maybe overdoing it because it was somebody's birthday or a right. special <laughs> event. And, this is where know, modern media so. is, and I'm shooting ourselves in the foot here and what we do every day. But like. It's athletes are so bottled up now. You, they don't go. To, you're not going to go out to a bar and get ripped for the most part, unless you're no. Johnny Manziel. Well, there be no. pictures of it now. C- right? Exactly. I mean, yeah. like it's yeah. Social media. It makes it, there's there's fewer great yeah. stories to be told now. I'm sure among athletes and yeah. and sports than there would have been back. But you're right. yeah, you're right. They're too exposed anymore. You know, if there was if there'd been cell phones back in my day and we conducted ourselves still that way. Oh, it wouldn't have been good for some of the guys. Well, no. the whole strip after games, right? Between it, wouldn't have guys, ended, it wouldn't have ended well. Between you you guys and the Vikings, oh. the Rusty Scupper. Well, I mean, the can, scupper, can you the imagine? The epicenter of trouble. Right exactly there. right. I mean, even up to like yeah, 2000, 2005 is not that long ago. Can you imagine if there was social media? That was just as Facebook started, so it wasn't really big time. No. During the Love Boat, Lake Minnetonka thing. Oh, oh. my gosh. Th- th- <laughs> thankfully, social media had yeah. not been discovered. I was, I'm glad there wasn't at that time. Oh, it's, that would not have been a good look. There would have uh, been a lot more divorces, I think. Oh, <laughs> I think you are absolutely correct in that assessment, yes, Steve. Yes. Uh, see, before we, before we say goodbye, Lindsay no. Whalen's going to join here on the phone in like five or ten minutes. Your general thoughts, uh, the Wild made a GM change. They're yep. kind of in flux here. Your general thoughts on the team going into uh, next season. I'm assuming they don't make another huge move here, which they could still make a trade. But Well, my only opinion on I'll give you my one assessment of these guys. I, I think coaching-wise, I think they're fine. They changed the GM. Okay, fine. So they have a new general manager. We'll see what drum he beats. 
but I think the biggest hole in their whole situation here, and I've said it before, I think maybe with you guys last year when we were talking, is that they don't have that one stud to hang off of to, to teach them how to be a winner. Absolutely. You know, I mean, a, a Mark Messier type of player. I always go to Mark Messier because everybody knows who Mark is and knows what he did and what a leader he was by example, by everything, you know. Fantastic hockey player, the whole nine yards. And this team does not have a guy like that. And that's not to say that they don't have great hockey players, you know, like Parisi and, and so on. They brought him in. Zach, but Zach can only do so much and take you so far. And he's just, my opinion, again, I've known Zach since he was born. Mm-hmm. Knew his, obviously knew his father, played with him, coached, had him coach, you know, played underneath him as my assistant coach, loved JP to death. But that's not Zach. That's just not the type of player he is. We need a guy that is basically a just a bull in a china shop type of player, takes no prisoners, uh, produces, and every night after night after night, and you know he will make believers out of the other guys around him. It's just how it works, and uh, I think they've just been lacking the type of, that type of player. If they think if they've got that player, would probably make more improvement in their game and in their team overall than making ten other little, you know, changes. And Steve, elsewhere. the problem there is that that type of stud comes from a high draft pick ordinarily which means your team is bad for a period, yep. and they've never really been bad. So they've always been drafting, let's say, 13 to, sure. to 30th or so. Yep. So you don't get that player unless you bottom out, which, which is why I am all for teams being really bad when they start as expansion teams because that's when you accumulate those high picks for a few years. Well, that's true, but there is another way around it, too. You can trade your way up into a better position. There's going to be a price to be paid, absolutely. So the price is you play like crap. You have a, you have a couple of struggling seasons. You get screamed at by the fans and all the other stuff that comes with, with not performing. Or you buy your way into it somehow. You either trade your way into it or you spend the money. It doesn't come cheap to have a guy like that. But if you get the right guy, you get the dividends come back to you. You know, they really it's been proven time and time again. You know? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, and not just in hockey, in all the major sports, right? You know, you get yeah. that key guy in there. And, boy, he can make – why do they pay him so much? Well, I mean, a great example, look at Ovi this year with the Capitals. You know, he's 13 years with that team. He's always produced for them. He's become more of a one-dimensional hockey player, which has made him even greater and better. He's a stud, 6'3", 235, 240, loves to run people over, can score like nobody else can score. I mean, this guy's got a shot that's – the last guy I saw that could shoot like him and score was Mike Bossy. Yeah. It's just I've never seen a guy since that guy, you know, and uh, and I just love what he's evolved into and see what happened. You know, they made they gave him the C a few years into his career. It took him a while, probably just immaturity, whatever. But he finally got focused and finally got serious when he got into his 30s and said, you know, damn it, I got to step up here. We're going to win this thing and I'm going to make damn sure that we do. And look at the performance he put out this year. It was just phenomenal. I, I picked the Capitals at the beginning of the playoffs. Proud to say that. Nice. Part of that was obviously wanting to vote for my old teammate, uh, Brian McClellan. Mm-hmm. You know, I was super happy to see Mac finally get a Stanley Cup. He he'd probably would have rather hoisted as a player, but what the hell, he still got it as a GM. Great move on his part. And how ironic that his old boss, he ends up beating for the championship. I, you couldn't write that story, you know what I mean, yeah. any better than that. So... Uh, just great stuff, but that's what we need. We need an Ovechkin. We need an Ovi. <laughs> pay the price, get him on the team, give him a year or two, and if the guys are smart, they'll pay attention to this guy, and they'll try to do, you know, they'll feel bad that they're not playing as good as they could play when this guy's out busting his ass every night. And uh, when they lead by example, that type of thing. And, you know, we had a lot of good players like that in my era that played like that, and that's why we had a successful team. You know, you had a, a, a Craig Hartsburg back on D playing. Every night you could count on, on Craig performing. Bobby Smith, Al McAdam. 
uh, Gil Malash or Beaupre and that. I mean, you go on and on. These are guys that were not superstars, but they were guys that were always committed to it. They always performed, and they made everybody around them play better. Yeah. Steve Payne, thanks so, for coming over, thank man. You guys. Thank Great you, catching you guys. Great catching up again. Mackie yep. and Judd at the NHL Alumni Golf Classic. Lindsey Whalen joins next. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN.